listening to Faith FM, and it is now time for Encounter with God. We have come to the second hour of our show, and now we'll have another awesome. clue stealing for the my, quiz. Stealing my headline. Well, you were halfway through putting your headphone on, and I was right, like... I'm good, I'm good to go. I can do this two things at once. <laughs> can you? Sometimes. Sometimes. Okay. All right, for 400 points, what synagogue official saw his 12-year-old daughter raised to life? 0491-064-669 is the number to call if you know the answer. Again, that question was, what synagogue official saw his 12-year-old daughter raised to life? And for 400 points, you can win yourself a selection of one of a selection of our bargain books. Um, but again, guys, you got to give us a call. 491 64 669. What synagogue official saw his 12 year old daughter raised to life? Okay. Mm-hmm. Time to get into some text messages. Oh. Ooh, we stirred the pot this morning. Oh, oh did we? Yes. Did I? Oh, I hope so. All right. Um, okay. So, in relationship to your story about uh, Facebook? Facebook, yes. Yeah. Um, and Apple? Apple. Mm-hmm. Kind of Apple just smashing <laughs> Facebook. Um, Darren Pratt just simply says, Capitalism at its best. That's right. That's how it goes down. Let's see. I think we had, um, I think Raphael sent one through on this as well. Let me just scroll back here. Uh, Apple and the market crash of 26% of Facebook share. That is great news. I'm very surprised that considering these companies are part of the New World Order. To me, looks like <laughs> behind the scenes they have already achieved their plan. Maybe. Well, we'll have to wait and see what happens. Although he does say this. What did you say Lawson's, Lawson's Asian name was? And I've said, I've replied, he won't say. I won't say because I don't want to get bullied. And and, and, and the reply is simply chicken. <laughs> Lawson, wow. you are chicken. Oh, You've been called out on there this that's, morning. That's hurtful. Chicken. Listen. Oh, okay. I want to come up with a condition in which I would say my Asian name if it's fulfilled. That condition is? Oh, maybe. Oh, maybe if we could get. You, like, have, you have to think about it over the next. You have to think about it over the next segment. And, and come up with the, your list actually, no, I know what it is right now. Oh, okay, if, okay. if 10 more people write into the show saying, 10 more people write into the show saying, we want to know what Lawson's Asian name is, I will tell them. Okay, so if you have never ever contacted Faith FM this morning before, our number is get ready to write this down. Okay, <laughs> I'm going to go through this number. Uh, get ready to write it down: zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. We've had one request so far. We just need nine more. If you <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right, all right, nine more. If nine more people text in requesting to know what my Asian name is, which by the way was given to me by Asian people. This isn't me appropriating culture. It was like a, a group of Japanese people were like, "This is your Japanese name now." If you want to know what it is, zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Yes. Ah, <laughs> oh, the phone is already starting to buzz out there. I can see what's going to happen. Here. Okay. Uh, let me see. Uh, I've got another text message here. Um, uh, in relationship to the Scale family, what an amazing family investing their lives in helping mm. kids. Well done, Scale family. Mm. And, you know, this is uh, generations now and it has been decades that this has been taking place. And, you know, we often look back at the good old days and like, oh, kids weren't as messed up back in the good old days. This was something that I, I think uh, uh, Rue or Rodney was saying started way back there in the... 40s, 50s, mm. you know, that's, wow. that's, that's going back a long time and dealing with, uh, you know, helping broken kids. So just a, a fantastic uh, ministry there. Mm. And, yeah, I think we should get um, 
I think we should get Ruth Gale back on to continue talking about Dalhunty Park. There's so much more there that um, that uh, that he could share with us. Mm. Okay, let's see here. Olive oil, love it, and use it every day. Great on top of salads, of course, but you can also add in some cooked foods after cooking. Mm. Dude, and to be honest, if I'm going to cook using oil, I use olive oil. To cook. Of course, yeah, it's the best one. It's like, not as good when you heat it. I get that, I know, but hey, everybody uses a bit of oil in cooking from time to time. Yeah, but also, you, oh, dude, you can just air fry. No need for oil. And then add, of oil, add, and then olive, add of oil. olive oil in the end, yeah. You know, I love olive oil just as a salad dressing. Just make a, uh, so a salad, good. put some olive oil and salt on top. You don't really need anything else. Oh, I, I like chili. Like olive oil, salt, and then chili. I just like spicy things. Do you get the chili olive oil? Yes. Yeah, I've had that before. Yes. It's because we, we have like uh, people who manufacture oil, olive oil in the Hunter Valley. Like we have, there's, there are people who make olive oil around here. And there's a local company that sells olive oil at like the vegan markets. Mm-hmm. And they make like chili olive oil. And it's oh, so good. Okay, so the next, next text message, I'm going to have some comments about this one. All right. Okay, so the Liberty Council action. Yes, I heard this yesterday. This specifically is aimed for tracking unvaccinated people, specifically Christians. This list will be used in the near future to track unvaccinated and force vaccinations. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is I have a slightly different take on this mm-hmm. because COVID is starting to wane. It's starting to go away. This is my take. My take is that with COVID... Um, and the mandates and the vac- vaccinations and the restrictions on liberty and freedom of conscience, they have achieved what they need to achieve. Mm. You know, they've got people scared enough and they've been able to achieve what they need to achieve. I don't think they need to continue on um, forcing people to have, you know, vaccinations and more vaccinations and boosters and all of this kind of stuff. Mm. And this is my opinion, and I could be entirely wrong. My opinion is that all of it's going to fade away. All the vaccination stuff is going to fade away. But the precedents mm. won't, it, it's, because the Bible doesn't talk about vaccinations. That's right. In Revelation thirteen, yeah, the Bible talks about days of worship. That's right. And with the precedents that have been set up, and what I'm what I'm seeing now is that there is actually, according to these news stories this morning, and uh, you know. I was expecting when I started reading the news story, oh, here's going to be another news story about, you know, vaccinations and freedom of conscience and religious liberty and all of mm. these kinds of issues because I've seen like a whole host of those news stories come through, you know, in the last two years and they continue to come <clears> through. And I start reading it and it actually goes on and it says like, well, you know, now this is this is no longer about vaccinations. This is now about Sabbath and Sunday. And this just sort of jumped out. There's black and white on my page right in front of me from a, you know, from a main, mainstream media. And I'm like... Well, that's interesting. Yeah, mm. that's that's infinitely more interesting mm. because now what you've got is like, yeah, we've we've done all that back stuff, and it's allowed us to set up the rules so that we can now do this. It, and that's the thing, like the point that Revelation thirteen makes is, and is that we're dealing with worship here. Like that's what that's what. So this is, Satan this is, this wants. Might be, I don't think they're going to force us to do more vaccinations. Yeah, now I've been wrong on this before. I've made I've made shared my opinions. And, oh, you, you're wrong a lot, wow. and I've been very wrong. <laughs> in relationship to COVID and vaccinations and a bunch of stuff like that. And I could be again. Mm. But I think it's going to fade. Mm. You know, the virus is fading. It's not as strong as it used to be, and it's going to continue to weaken. We know that's the nature of viruses, that that's how they work, that's what they do. Uh, you know, the Spanish flu is still here, and we everybody catches it once a year, but nobody notices it because it's so weak, you know. Yeah, that's it's right. Just, this is the nature of how it happens. But um, the precedence that have been set here is most interesting. 
Mm. Uh, we all know that camps for the unvaccinated were built everywhere. Well, I don't know that we all know that, but anyway, whatever. In the future, information is for the collection of Sabbath keepers. Yeah, I can see that um, in the early hours of the night as they did in Nazi Germany. We live in the last days. Um, and then there's another one here um, asking whether I watched the Walter Weiss presentation. No, I haven't, haven't watched his uh, presentations. Um, and recommending What's Up Prof 101. But anyway, um, if you want to watch that stuff, then, yep, go, go ahead. For it. All right, so that's, that's coming through on our text messages this morning. Um, and we need to get into our Bible study. Mm-hmm. So let's I'm go here. To I'm ready Hebrews to go. chapter 6. Hebrews 6, where, where, where are we starting? Okay, we need some more text messages. Oh, from me. <laughs> Because, I we forgot because about that. how many are up to so far, producer Shell? Uh, we've got two so far. We've got three so far. Okay, so it's continuing to roll. So we've got three so far. Um, seven to go. Seven people, and Lawson will, will, will reveal his Asian name given him to given to him by Asians. Um, we just need you to, to call or text on zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Come on, guys, help us out here. We can have some. Uh, we can you know, have some fun with Lawson. <laughs> This is all about embarrassing me, by the way, yeah. Well, well, okay, but, you know, should you be embarrassed about your Asian name? Probably not. How would your Asian friends feel if you were embarrassed about your Asian name? I would be embarrassed by you calling me my Asian name in front of them. That's like, that's like the chief embarrassing thing. Is this like, it just, just that clash of, of culture. And I, I don't know how I'd go down. It's like, oh, wait, Lawson, like, this is, this is a thing between us. Like, now, what, you're like, this Asian name to your white friends too. It's, it, yeah, it's tough. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. All right, Hebrews chapter 6. We're going to talk about the basics this morning. Let's find out what they are, verse 1 and 2. Hebrews chapter 6. So let us not stop going over basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go instead and become mature in our relationship, sorry, in our understanding. Um, Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. And 2. Oh, that... That wasn't too... Oh, yeah. You don't need further instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. Some pretty heavy subjects there. Yeah. Eternal judgment, resurrection of the dead. That's not exactly light stuff. Yeah. Okay, so this is what I see happening in Christianity. Mm. I find this very interesting. Mm. There is a movement away from um, heavy doctrinal sermons. Mm. There is a movement to, you know, preach for 15 minutes and... Tell a few jokes. Oh, I hate it so much. There is a movement towards, you know, what Paul describes here as being milk. Mm. There is a movement to skim milk. Yeah, wow. Because eternal judgment and resurrection of the dead, you're never going to hear about that. And they're, like, they're heavy subjects, but at the same time, like, Paul is making a very clear point. Like, this is biblical basics. Yes. Like, this is something that Jesus... It's like really basic stuff. He's like, this is, this is the basic stuff. This is the milk. This is something that Christ talked about, like... A lot, like, and, and made it very clear, and we don't need to go over it again because you know we we know this stuff. Yeah, the fact is, most Christians don't know this stuff. Yeah, there's just, a lot of there's a lot. Okay, so foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God. Yes, we'll hear a plenty of sermons about that. You know, mm. baptism, laying on of hands, etc. Oh. Uh, but resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. 
Not so much. Even repentance from dead works, that's something that comes unto, is, um, you know, the truth of that is, de- depending on which church you go to, there is even contention there because, like, you have a lot of um, a lot of churches teaching, what do they call it, deistic moralism or whatever, like this idea that, like, oh, God exists, but you don't need to change. And it's like, so even those kind of teachings come under fire within the modern Christian context like, which is even more basic, like, dude, repentance from dead works. Like, that's like the point of the whole Bible. And we even see today that something as basic as repentance from dead works is like, is misunderstood by a, a large deal, a large group of the, I would say a majority of the Christian church. And when you see where Paul goes from this point forward in the book of Hebrews, you know, Hebrews 7 to 13, mm. when was the last time, I want you to think about this. As a listener, when was the last time you had a sermon in your church from one of the chapters between Hebrews 6 and 13, where Paul leaves behind the basics and goes hard into theology? Mm. Now, what I find is that, and, and I've experienced this in Christianity, is that there has been a movement away from deep theological sermons. Mm. There has almost been a a putting down of this kind of preaching mm. so that when you preach a deep theological sermon, you can cop some criticism That's right. preaching that because it's like, well, you know, we, we need to be talking about our relationship with Jesus. Let's not be talking, you know, deep theology because theology divides and, you know, doctrine divides this, this kind of mantra. You've got... Um, um, you know, it should be all about our relationship. We don't, you know, that you have the pan millennialists. Don't worry about all of uh, all of the deep stuff in the Bible. Just just love Jesus. It'll all pan out in the end. Um, you've got a lot of this kind of philosophy within Christianity today. It is very prevalent within Christianity, and it has led to the neutering of Christianity. Mm. When Christianity was strong, say, take the great Protestant Reformation of the 16th century, you had intellectual giants who would be delving into the depths of Scripture and arguing those depths backwards and forwards and learning stuff you know, in the process of you know, arguing them backwards and forwards, coming to incredible discoveries from the mm. Bible because of the deep intellectual. And they're like, yeah, but, you know, it's lifeless, it's spiritless, there's there's no spirit in it, there's no relationship in it, it's not relational, we need to have relational Christianity. And we do. Mm-hmm. But the Bible says that we are to worship God in spirit and in truth, and we have moved so much in the direction of spirit for the last hundred years that we have worked away, worked our way away from truth. And what this says is one of the things, one of the side. And this is a this is a hobby horse of mine, mm-hmm. and I know that, and I get that. But I'm going to jump on it again. Anyway. <laughs> one of the things that it has led to is the feminization of Christianity. Mm. Christianity is the only religion. That is majority female. Mm. There's a problem there for us as Christians in reaching men. Mm. And one of the reasons behind that is that men love to have intellectual discussions. Mm. They love to go deep. And there are a whole bunch of women out there that love to do the same thing as well. But there's no question. Nobody's going to argue that you know women are more relational and men mm. are more intellectual. And this demonizing of intellectual sermons and demonizing of intellectual Christianity has created a ministry that leans away from it. Mm. It has created a uh, churches that lean away from it. It has 
it has left Christians, whether they're male or female, but it has left Christians who love an intellectual connection with God feeling like they are lesser Christians. Mm. I would say as well, like on that point, is because like I, I, I would say this, I say this applies to anyone, everyone, but I think men in general being less relational, like knowledge makes you, like understanding something makes you feel secure. Yes. It does. Like when you understand something, you feel secure in like, particularly if we apply it now to Christianity, if we have, like, if we go to lengths to intellectually understand Christianity and understand the Bible, um, we feel secure then in believing it. And the fact that men do feel like less secure relationally and like from relational influences and more secure through intellectual influences, it makes sense that there is such a great need for not just, you know, harsh intellectualism that is devoid of love, but just intellectualism in general. I love the point that you made about the Protestant Reformation, right? Like, you look at this time in which the Christian church, I don't think is, like, in terms of a clear, heavy divide, the Christian church during the Protestant Reformation has never been divided like that. Like, this is, we're talking about one of the most clearest divides between two groups of people. Yet at that time, like, and, and people want to talk about, like, oh, yeah, we, we don't need those divides today. But we talk about, like, this divide that came through, um, like, you know, study and through, you know, people trying to understand God and understand what Christianity and the Bible is all about. Never at any time since then have Christians been as dedicated to their faith as at that time, because Christians at that time were truly willing, in the ultimate sense, to die for what they believed in. And they were dying on a regular basis. That's right. They were like, and and simultaneously, the Christian church was growing and had influence like it had never had before. Yes. Like, and, and I, yes. I mean, in the pure it's, sense, absolutely. Before that no point, question. like, yes, Christianity had a great influence because we were going through the dark ages, but we would say that that wasn't really Christianity. That was a religious monopoly that existed to benefit monarchies and hurt people. But I think at that time, like during the Protestant Reformation, like, yeah, true Christianity had never had such a great influence on changing the lives of people. And it come at a time of great divide persecution that was like divide and persecution that was informed by theological difference. And so like I sit here now and I'm like, oh, would I ra- what, what would I rather have? What would I rather experience? And I can say it's great that I live in Australia and I'm not, you know, fearing for my life for believing what I believe in at the moment. But in relationship to how actually great my faith in God is and the relationship that I have with him, I'm like, man, people living in that time, you could pretty much say that, man, they knew God. They knew God. Why? Because they're willing to die for him. And it's like, if we just take a second to reflect on where we're at in our spiritual journey, in this context of, oh, no, it's not all about doctrine. It's all about relationship and knowing God. But do we really know God? Do we know God well enough to want to give our lives for him? Oh, I would I would say probably not. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> Lawson, you're just, just, nailing it, just nailing it right there. You know, it's interesting when you look at the New Testament, you look at the different authors in the New Testament, you know, and no one, no one will deny the fact that Paul has a very intellectual connection with God. That's right. You know, he is, he is the ultimate intellect of the New Testament. Mm. Um, who would you pick as the most relational New Testament writer? Probably John. Who wrote the book of Revelation. <laughs> you know, because on you, you would say that. Yeah, that's right. Everyone is going to say that. 
who wrote the book of Revelation. Mm, one of the most theologically dense, dense books, books in the in Bible. Existence, <laughs> in existence. And what this shows is a balance between the two. And that's where we need to find. We need to, we need to not neglect our relation with God, but we need to stretch our brains in understanding the truths of God's word. Mm. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And of course, if you'd like to embarrass Lawson this morning, then please just text us on zero four nine one zero six four six six nine and say that you'd like to embarrass Lawson, and we will embarrass him. Yep. <laughs> we will tell you what his Asian name is. Okay, um, but we need to uh, hear from a few more people yet to. That's right. To get the one clear through. Yep. And the number that you can give us a call on, 0491-064-669, which is also the number that you need ready to answer the 500-point quiz question. Here we go. Who was chosen to replace Judas as the 12th apostle? 0491-064-669. If you know the answer, you can win our 500-point prize, which this morning I've decided, as we've been talking about religious control, and liberty and mm-hmm. all those different things and mm-hmm. divides in the church, I decided, dude, how about we give away the great controversy? Probably like Absolutely. one of the most like poignant books like on this Dealing very with the topic. Religious liberty. They've been handing a lot of these out at um, a lot of the uh, protests recently mm. and they've just been going by like hotcakes. Oh, they, it's powerful. They have a book. version that they printed, you know, before COVID happened, just before COVID happened, that was uh, the latter chapter starting. Your know, first chapter is Liberty of Conscience Threatened. Wow. It starts right there and it's like, wow, that's kind of perfect. Let's, um, let's hand that one out. That's a, you know, a lot of secular people have really been appreciating. Mm, definitely. So Fantastic stuff. 0491-064-669 is the number to call. Who was chosen, chosen to replace Judas as the 12th apostle? All right. Hebrews text message six. here. Oh, text message? Yes. Uh-huh. We've got 10 tech. No, we don't have <laughs> God is love and the greatest intellectual in the universe. It is God that made men and women wired as we are. Mm. The problem is sin. And that's exactly how it is. Oh, uh, it, it, um, yes. You know, that nails it right there. Um, and, you know, once again, it comes down to this passage that we're looking at where the Bible includes doctrines like resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment as being milk. Mm. And if that's milk, then most of our <laughs> churches are living off of skim milk. <laughs> And I say it again. Dude, we're umbilical cord attached. If you, have, if you have had a sermon in your church in the last 12 months from Hebrews 7 to 13, mm. call me and text me. Mm. I'll just lay the challenge down. Mm. If you've had a sermon from any of those chapters in the last 12 months, call me or text me. Mm. I, I like. I put this out there. If you're a preacher and you've preached on those chapters in the last 12 months, call me or text me. Mm-hmm. Because, and this is, my, this is my thing, we are feeding our Christians, we're not feeding them milk. We're feeding them skim milk. Mm. And we are ending up with skim milk Christians. You know, that you, you preach sermonettes, you get Christianettes? Yeah. We're getting Christianettes. Yeah, that's right. Now, there is a time and there is a place for preaching basics. You know, every church, 100%. they should... You should preach the basics every year in your church. You know, how important is repentance from dead works? Mm. You know, it really is at the foundation of Christianity right Mm. there. We need to preach those basics every year, but we also need to preach sermons in which we stretch the minds of our listeners Mm. 
And as listeners, we need to ask our preachers to preach sermons that are going to stretch our minds, that are going to go deep and that are going to be theological and that are going to, you know, where the pastor is going to have to actually, you know, sit down and really stress and pray and, and, and study and sweat over the scriptures as he digs out the truths that are contained therein. Mm, that's right. Because there are so many blessings for us to receive. And this is why Paul writes this book right here. Mm. He's like, you know, I wrote the whole book of Romans about repentance from dead works. Mm. We don't need to go back there. That's milk. Wow, if Romans is milk, <laughs> watch out. That's right. Uh, repentance of dead works and faith toward God. That's, that's, that's a summary of Romans, summary of Galatians. <laughs> yeah. You know, that, that's it right there in a nutshell. Mm. Um, baptism is laying on of hands. Well, that's the book of Acts. Resurrection and eternal judgment. That's a revelation. He's calling that. He's calling that milk. <laughs> All right. So, uh, where are we up to? What are we talking about? Uh, oh, it says, "And this we will do if God permit." Is that where we're up to? I think. That's I believe. Yeah, we're up to verse three. Yeah. And so, God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. Okay. So, before we move forward to further understanding, there's uh-huh. a really heavy passage that we're going to get into into tomorrow uh-huh. about those who turn away from God. Oof. And it really freaks people out who believe in once saved, always saved. Mm. Uh, because once saved, always saved is not a thing you'll find in the Bible. Mm. Um, you, God will never remove your power of choice. Yeah. If God was to remove your power of choice, love would not exist. That's right. Okay, so let's talk about repentance from dead works. Uh-huh. What, what is that? And, and faith towards God. Let's talk about milk. Uh-huh. Because we're going to have the next few weeks, we're going to get into meat. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about milk. Let's have our last taste of milk before we move on. Mm-hmm. What is that? Repentance from dead work. Like it is the the necessary like ingredient. Um, I believe like it is the the necessary human step that needs to be taken to have the Christian experience. Yes. Like, you know, we talk about, like, the Bible says in Ephesians 2, verse 8, you know, for we are saved by grace through faith, not yes. of works, lest anyone should boast. And, it. and we don't have to work for it. Like, the, the only step that needs to be taken is a decision, and that decision is repentance. Yes. In and of itself. Like, that's, that's, and, and that's actually where, you know, we took, like, the once saved, always saved, predestined argument really comes to a clash is like, is choosing to be saved a work? And I like my answer to that question would be no. Oh, my answer would be yes. Is choosing to be saved a work? Yes. Why, why would you say that? I would say yes because um, God can't force you to do that. That's a decision that you must make. Yeah, but but would you say it's like a work that that you like? This is the point. This is the point that the Bible makes about works and salvation. I would say I would say that it is a work that you do that you are able to do. Because God extends his grace to you to enable you to make that decision. Not to force you, but to enable you. Yeah. And it would be impossible Mm. for you to ever make that decision on your own without the grace of God. Mm -hmm. Because if you could make that decision on your own without the grace of God, then that would be your work. That's right. Mm. That that secures your salvation. Right? So, Mm -hmm. So that's an impossibility. So what I'm saying is that God extends his grace to you to enable you to make that decision so that when you make that decision, it is by the power of God's grace. So it is all God. Yeah, I would say, like, that's actually a really good point. Like, to, to kind of reframe what you said, I would say it, it's like you would you would call it a work of God that he does through you, essentially. 
like it's it's a, a work that God does through you that you make. It's an opt-in decision that you make to let God do a work through you, which is to to repent. Yeah. Which put simply, like, if we make a definition of repentance here, I love how um, Pastor Blake Penland, who is, uh, you know, starting his new show this Thursday yes, coming up, in. which you guys should tune in to. Uh, the replacement for Rob? Well, Robbie's show. Robbie's, from Robbie's show. He's got Blake coming in to do his show. That's right. What's it called again? Um, it is called... Speak Life. Speak, Speak Life. Life. Speak Life. Fantastic stuff. I love how Blake describes it. He says, look, repentance simply, it looks like this. It functions like this practically. You're walking one direction... And you stop and you turn around and go the other direction. And and that, that application applies to any like behavior, any decision. It's like, hey, you're doing one thing. You realize this is not right. You stop, you turn around, and you go the other way. And you, you can apply that to any behavior. That being said, um, you know, there's lots of things that we do, right, that we don't think are good. Like, as in, my, my point is like, uh, would you would you agree with me in saying, and, and Paul would agree in, in Romans chapter 7 when he says like, I do things that I ought not to do, and then I don't do things that I ought to do. Like, would you agree that we do things that we probably shouldn't? I, and, would, I think that's kind of obvious. Yeah, and we when we know that we shouldn't, and it's like, oh, but why then why do we keep doing them? And it's like, how do we stop? I think that's when it's like by the power of God. By the power of God's grace. And this mm. is this is where Ephesians chapter 2 comes in. You know, for by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourself is a gift of God. For you were created for good works. Yeah. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Yeah, it looks like you're going to get a hook this morning. Lawson, not enough people calling through to uh, ask for your Asian name, but hey, there's still plenty of time. The number is zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. But more importantly, let's have some answers for our quiz. All right, uh, for one hundred points, Jonathan, two hundred points, Leave Town, three hundred points, um, because she would be the mother of all things. Four hundred points was Jairus, and five hundred points was Matthias or Matthias. So, good work, everyone, for getting answers correctly. But right now, it's time for. Question of the day. And our question of the day is, how old was Joshua when he entered the promised land? I don't know. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we can get some indications. Let's work through the indications we have. Uh, in Exodus chapter 7 and verse 7, uh, the Bible says that Moses was 80 years old when he had the confrontation with Pharaoh and the time of the Exodus. Uh, in Numbers chapter 1 and verse 1, we find that the book of Numbers begins to be written in the first month of the second year since their exodus out of uh, out of uh, Egypt. And, of course, you know, the sanctuary has been built, it's in operation, Ten Commandments have been given and so forth. Numbers chapter 14, you have the incident of the spies going out and bringing the false report. And so the indication is that this is later in that second year. So somewhere in that second year, the spies go out and Joshua goes into the promised land for the first time uh, with Caleb and with 10 other spies at this time. And 10 of those spies bring a false report and Caleb and Joshua bring a true report. Um, and so then, of course, they are sent into the wilderness and God says, you'll be in the wilderness for 40 years. They've already been there too, and so you've got another 38 more years from that point forward. And the Bible also says that only Caleb and Joshua will be the you know the adults who came out of slavery, who you know grew up as slaves, who mm. lived as slaves, 
um, the only adults who, who who came out of slavery who would enter into the promised land. And uh, we find that Moses, at the time of the entry in Numbers chapter 33, was 120 years old. Mm. Now, in Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse 3, the Bible identifies this as the 40th year and the 11th month of the 40th year. That means when Deuteronomy is written, it's written over the span of that month and details events that take place in that month. Uh, Deuteronomy is written one month before they cross into the Promised Land. And, of course, the Bible says that Moses died at the age of 120 before he crossed into the Promised Land. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us how old Joshua was, but it tells us exactly how old Caleb was. Mm. So Caleb was 80 years old when he goes into the Promised Land, which means that uh, he was he was uh, uh, 40, 42 when he went in as a spy. And the assumption is that Joshua was around about the same age. So Caleb and Joshua are around about the same age. And uh, therefore... Uh, and because we know that Joshua, you know, those under the age over the age of forty all died in the wilderness. There, we for we assume that Joshua was around about that same age. He was about forty, and so he would have been about eighty when he goes into the promised land as well. Caleb and Joshua. It kind of makes sense when you send spies out. You'd send you know people of experience, but also young enough to have uh, vigor and strength. And so uh, these would be the kind of guys that you would choose. And so the mm. indication is that he was, you know, some scholars put him, put the possibility of him being as young as 68 when he goes in. Uh, I tend to go for the old age bracket, more around the uh, the 80 mark um, when he goes into the promised land. But, yeah, certainly not a spring chicken. But, you know, we find that he lives to a very variety. Of, I think it was 138 years old when he died. So, mm. you know, about middle-aged, a little bit. Slightly past middle age, mm. we could say. Wouldn't be nice to say that when you hit 80 years old for our uh, more elderly listeners here this evening, uh, this morning, I should say. And so, yeah, that's that's the approximate age of how old Joshua was when he went in the first time and, of course, when he went in the second time with the conquest of Canaan. We do have, I, I did give you all a challenge to memorize a passage of Scripture this week. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. I want to see if somebody can memorize those two chapters about the anchor of the soul. Two verses. Two verses. And recite them for us at the end of the week. That's a challenge right there. Mm-hmm. See if you can do it. Heavy. All Good right. work. Someone's texting through. Oh, yeah. They've, uh, they, they, they've said, they've said, let me just read it here. I call fake on Lawson's Asian name. Why? Lawson has no friends. <laughs> oh, dude, burn. that hurts. Burn, burn. <laughs> uh, <That's>, this just, <laughs> I can't. All right, we should give something away, Lawson. Yeah, okay. God, you know what? No, I don't want to give anything away. <laughs> I'm offended. I have no friends, so why should you give anything away? Okay, no, I gotta. I gotta. Michael is your friend. Freco is your friend. We have lots of friends. Raphael is your friend. Darren is your friend. A day for healing by John C. Sky is your friend. Come on, let me let me give this book away begrudgingly. Okay, a day for healing by John C. Brown. We've been talking about days of worship throughout the show today. Janelle is your friend. Thank you, thank you, Lyle. Wow, oh, producer Shell is your friend. <laughs> well, look, zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call. A day for healing by John C. Brunt. Um, if you want this book, give us a call and we'll give it to you for free. 
Fantastic stuff, uh, Dave, for healing. All right, let's remember as we go through this day to talk faith, live faith, act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.